of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. So here we go. You better buckle up, Buttercup. And a whole new attitude to your afternoon. I want to know what's going on, and I want to know right now. You know, two dudes talking sports. And you two will be awesome. Live from News Talk 1480 WHBC. It's a household name. Who the hell are you? It's the Kenny and JT Show. Have a great show. All right, then. Let's go. Yeah, we're off and running for the hump day version. Haven't Man. said that in a while, right? The right. hump day version of the Kenny and JT show. 21st day of right. September. Getting closer and closer to the holidays. and It's December, and first closer. of all. It's December, not September. Happy Hanukkah and happy four days away from Christmas. And Kwanzaa's just around the corner. Did I say September? You did. I did. Okay. All right. Very good. I wish December. it were September because yeah, if it know, were right? September, that would mean on Saturday it's not going to be negative. Well, I don't know, twenty-five. Yeah, it's going to be cold. Um, uh, so we're close to Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, and we're getting closer to the uh, college football playoffs. And the reason I know that is now the way it's set up, National Letter of Intent Day, right? is usually about a week or 10 days out from the college football semifinals, and it went down today for the Buckeyes, who had uh, not a great recruiting class, but a top right. 10 recruiting class is the best way to put yeah. it. How's that? I don't know how you're going to start rating these now that we've got NIL and a transfer portal really starting to take shape. Yeah. Is it? Does it mean as much to get these recruits now? Uh, I guess you're going to call them recruits, the you know, scholar to athletes, so to speak, because... Yeah. Now maybe you're cutting your chops somewhere else. They were going after alignment from Rhode Island. I have to imagine that when the Ohio State Buckeyes let a kid go to Rhode Island, that means they probably didn't want him. But wait a minute, he had a good freshman year. Now all of a sudden we want this kid? I don't understand this rating system. It's based on performance in high school and projections to the next level. Now some kids are late bloomers, right? They may have been a three-star in high school, but then they have a growth spurt. They put on some weight. They get stronger. They go play at a smaller school and dominate. And now, all of a sudden, hey, uh, you know, right. I, I think I can go play at a Power 5 school. And then the Power 5 schools are saying, we think you can play here, too. Let's well, go. It used to be transfer portal wars for guys that couldn't make the starting lineup in a team. Now, they're looking yeah. to go elsewhere and be the man. That's what's yeah. so weird. So when you start thinking about the transfer portal, as it is opposed to these commits and the guys that, you know, decommit and whatever else, it's like, okay, let's go get somebody else anyway. And, you know, the first name that comes to mind as a Buckeye fan is always going to be what? Justin Fields, right? Right, yeah. Is there another Justin Fields out there when C.J. Stroud goes to the NFL? Is he already that, on the team? Well, that or, you know, they lost not only the number one quarterback for next year's class, J.T., okay, they lost a recruit that they had this year, Brock Glenn, who transferred, or excuse me, flipped and went to mm-hmm. Florida State. So then they right. go out and they get a kid to flip from Washington to Ohio State at quarterback. And I did research on this kid, okay? Because you and I were talking about C.J. Stroud and what, what's one of his weaknesses. He doesn't 
run the football, right? He doesn't want to run it. He doesn't look like he can run it. He doesn't buy great time with his scrambling ability. Well, the kid they went out and got a four-star from South Dakota, led his team to the state championship there. His name is Lincoln, and I wrote it down, Kineholtz, okay? Uh Lincoln Kineholtz. He's 6'3", 185, and he is one of the top-rated dual-threat quarterbacks in the entire country coming out. JT threw for 3,400 yards and 46 touchdowns, Mm -hmm. ran for 1,400 yards and 24 more touchdowns. So when you combine his totals, just shy of 5,000 yards of offense and 70 touchdowns. So one of my things, looking at the college game and even the pro game these days, You've got to have some athletic ability, and you mm-hmm. you better be able to run the football, or if not run it, have the ability to scramble and buy time in today's game. And supposedly this kid is one of the best in the country, so could it be a blessing in disguise mm-hmm. that they lose a Brock Glenn to FSU, but they get this Lincoln Keenholz or Keenholz uh, to come in and be the uh, potential starting quarterback of the future. And the thing for me is this, and you have to take this into account too, what were the things we were saying about C.J. Stroud before he started last year? Hadn't thrown a pass at, at right. that level, right? right? And I believe when he was recruited in 2018, I believe, might have been a three. I think he was a four-star recruit, right? Yeah. No guarantees that he was going to be uh, the uh, the next man up, so to speak, after Justin Fields makes his way into the NFL. And lo and behold, there he is. He makes it. He ends up being one of the most prolific passers, if not the most prolific passer, in Ohio State history. So then we know he's got no choice but to probably go to the next level, right? Right. Next man up. These guys are four stars. You've got Kyle McCord there. He was the high school quarterback of Marvin Harrison Jr. Beautiful. Devin Brown decides not to transfer out because he knows he might have a shot. Game on. Let's go. Let's find out who the next quarterback is. I have to believe whoever's already in the stable might be better, with the exception of a five-star that was going to come in and maybe flipped. Maybe they already know who the next guy is. Maybe they do. Um, Here's what I will say. By playing for a chance to get into the national championship game, that means C.J. Stroud will be your quarterback. Had they not received a playoff berth Mm -hmm. we would have probably gotten a good look at the two kids that are on the roster right now in in whatever bowl game they would have went to which could have jump-started them for next year so the way you look at this is hey you better win the national championship this year because now you're behind the eight ball because you don't have an experienced quarterback for next year playing in a big, meaningful game, meaning the bowl Mm -hmm. game here. So it works in a positive way because you get into the playoff, but it hurts you also because you don't get to get an early look at the guys you have on the roster for next year. And it also hurts you when it's National Signing Day and you see it and you look at the names and there isn't a five-star rating next to the quarterback that's coming in. You know, everybody wanted to go back and look at um, Quinn Ewers, when right. he decided to forego his senior year in high school, come to Ohio State, I think he was a, he was a five star, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And everybody, he was the highest recruit in the country, and he's going to light the world on fire. He had a pretty decent season at Texas. Not going to take that away. Went healthy. It's pretty big if, but then again, that's a pretty lousy team. Did he just use Ohio State to get more money in the NIL? Is this going to be the wave of the future? Who knows. Bottom line here is, and I saw. The coach of uh, Georgia in a commercial yesterday 
say that we didn't come here to be a one-trick pony. In other words, we didn't just want to win it last year, the national championship. We want to be a contender. We want to challenge every year for the title. And I think that's what Ohio State's thinking as well. So when you start recruiting these players and these athletes to come to the Ohio State University, I think that's got to be your bargaining chip. Look, you're going to make some money in the NIL, but we're here to win titles. You want to win one? You came to the right place. Well, we're going to hear what Ryan Day thinks of the NIL and how that affects recruiting these days a little later in the show. Brian, he spoke for about 40 minutes today, Ryan Day. Brian put together about 12 minutes worth of Q&A uh, with Ryan Day on his class and the kids that they did get, did get excuse me, 20 of them. Uh, is what they ended up signing. I don't know if they're still waiting on another one uh, or not, but uh, 20 is the number. Here's what I will say, JT, okay? And, and a lot of times these rankings of these recruitment classes go by how many kids you recruited and the total points that you get, okay? Meaning, oh, if you have 25 recruits, you have more total points, and you could be ranked higher from that standpoint. Well, guess what? I look at the average per player. And when you look at the average per player in all the different rankings, Buckeyes are top three, Mm -hmm. meaning that the quality of the player they're getting, on average, is better than almost everybody else's in the country with the exception of Alabama and Georgia, right? So that's what I I look at as far Mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, the key components to a, a recruiting class is the average of each player. You have to, and everybody wants to rate how well we did. And you look back on the past couple of years, and every year, Ohio State had the number one recruiting class. Horse hockey! If you had the number one recruiting class, why aren't you ranked number one? You're number four going into the final four. It's, It's how you... Get these guys to play on the field. It is good to have four- and five-star recruits. We know this. We talked to Steve Hellwagon, and we're going to talk to him again today. And what did he tell us the last couple of years when you face Michigan? The reason we've had so much success over Michigan is because we're littered with four- and five-star recruits, and they weren't. Well, things have changed right now. And I don't know if it's through the transfer portal, if it's simply a matter of coaching, but for some reason, somehow... If we've got that much more talent than that team up north, then why have they whooped us the last two years in a row? Yeah, what what you'll see in the post-recruitment reports tomorrow is this. You'll see that Michigan is barely in the top 20 in recruiting, JT, right? right? For high school kids. However, what is Jim Harbaugh doing more of now? The transfer portal. Mm-hmm. And this is something uh, I want to compare it My to point. Chris Antonetti and the Indians in this way, JT, right? The Indians at times, it's now Guardians, have had trouble drafting players, right? When we look at some of their draft picks, we, we scratch our head and go, man, that was a terrible pick, or he hasn't panned out. When are they going to get an outfielder that can play that they drafted? But what do they do well? They go and they study kids that have been drafted by other teams and then get them in a trade. Well, the transfer portals like the Guardians making a trade. Michigan and some of these other schools are looking elsewhere and saying, okay, look, this kid's pretty good there. Yeah, we missed on him in recruiting. We didn't go hard after him, but he played very well for a freshman. Let's go get him from Nebraska. Let's go get him from Iowa and bring him to Michigan (laughs) because they'll want to come here because they know they have a chance to win here. Yeah, you've just correctly identified free agency, and it doesn't just exist in the NFL and Major League Baseball any longer. Free agency is now firmly entrenched in college football. 
transfer portal NIL are now affecting the uh, you know bigger schools that normally dominate. Now they're still up there this year in the top five, but JT, I'm I'm going to make a projection, okay, for the future, that you're not going to see Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State ending up with the top ranked class in the not too distant future because. Other schools now, if this NIL stays the same, are going to be able to mm. offer. USC in Hollywood is going to be able to offer. Sure. Nike, Nike slash Oregon University is going to be able to offer more money through mm. NIL. And some of these schools are going to start surpassing maybe the Buckeyes, mm. Georgia, and Alabama in recruiting because of NIL money. We're tip of the iceberg. This is it. I mean, this is the way th- this is the wave of the future now. It is free yeah. agency. It really yeah. is. And now you consider what's a free agency come to another team for. Not just because he wanted to switch and he couldn't start at another team because he's getting paid more. Who's going to pay me? Show me the money. Hope it doesn't ruin college football, Kenny. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But we're going to dive more into this a little later on with Steve Hellwagon, OSU beat reporter, yep. Bucknuts.com, and talk about the, the class that the Buckeyes did get, where it ranks overall, where it ranks in the Big Ten, who are supposed to be the impact players, maybe as true freshmen for Ohio State. That's one of the stories today. The other story, unfortunately... Oh. And um, I, I slept in today. I turned my phone off, right? Slept in today till about 9.30. Got a good night's sleep. Slept in till 9.30. I wake up. I turn my phone back on, and I had 15 messages, either text messages or voicemails. Mm-hmm. And found out, unfortunately, when I awoke today that legend, icon in Pittsburgh, Hall of Famer, Franco Harris passed away at the age of 72 mm-hmm. just a few days before they were going to retire his jersey number 32 and celebrate the 50th anniversary, which was December 23rd, 1972, of the Immaculate Reception. A very mm-hmm. sad day for Steeler Nation and for the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he's one of the most beloved members there. Absolutely. And Dave Motz that uh, used to work at the Hall of Fame, Marketing and Community Engagement Director, and he was a vice president there, going to join us to talk just about that and how important he was not only to the Pittsburgh Steeler community, but the entire league and especially the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And for me, it was kind of like the same thing. And I knew they were having the 50th year anniversary. We were talking about it yesterday. Yes, we were. And I'm like in and out of consciousness this morning. And I'm watching Good Morning America. And the the story pops up. And I see Franco Harris. And I'm looking at it. And then they come with, has passed away. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, that's, that's impossible. This has got to be wrong. I'm dreaming. It was no dream. It was real. I texted Pam Cook. It was about 7.15 in the morning. In the Canton Morning News, they had already known. They found out about it at 6.15 in the morning. I was one of the people that texted you as well, and I knew you were still sleeping because you didn't text back. But I was just shocked. I was like, you know what it reminds you of? What? You remember when Madden passed away? Yeah. It was just a year ago, right? Yep. Madden passed away, I believe, the same weekend that they were releasing the documentary. Look how similar this is. I think we saw it. And then he passed away right after. I think that's how that. But you're right. It was. It was. Here's the thing, though. I think they knew Madden was ill. This Maybe. for Franco came out of Don't the blue know. because he was. And we're going to talk to Stan Savern as well, the Godfather of Pittsburgh sports. I texted Stan when I did wake up, 
and he was just with Franco a couple of days ago. He had been doing, Franco, various things leading up to this 50th anniversary and becoming only the third Steeler in the franchise history to have his jersey number retired. So this was completely unexpected with Franco passing away. You know, a lot of people want to give credit to Franco Harris for the steel curtain and the four Super Bowls and everything else. I will give Franco Harris and those teams credit for putting the NFL on the map. Those players were larger than life when you had, okay, Doomsday, they were popular. There was still, you know, a lot of people would consider America's team. Browns had a few, but nobody that really, you know, exonifies pro football as it was back in the 70s. You think of those teams and the Pittsburgh Steelers, love them or hate them, it's the equivalent, basically, to the New York Yankees in baseball. And by that I mean you don't have to like them, but you have to respect them because they got it done on the field. I I agree with you. What they did in becoming truly the first dynasty of the Super Bowl era, right? Think about that. When the Super Bowl starts, yeah, you have the Green Bay Packers. They win the first two. And, And that's impressive. So everybody, the standard was, okay, two in a row for Green Bay. Well, the Steelers came in and they won Super Bowls nine and ten. Missed out the next two years and then won two more back-to-back. They won four in a span of six years and became the, the dynasty of the 70s and the standard that every Super Bowl team would yeah. be judged uh, up against. And Franco Harris, in, in reading so many things today, it's, I've watched and read so much today about him, Joe Green is considered the greatest stealer of all time. Close second is Franco Harris. And here's why. When Franco came in, Franco established the offensive identity of the Steelers as a tough tough ground attack that won the first two Super Bowls. The last two were more with Bradshaw throwing the ball. The first two, though, were defense, low scoring, and Franco running the ball. He was the rookie of the year in 1972 in that same rookie season. Franco caught the immaculate reception in the Steelers' second-only playoff game and their first-ever playoff victory. And they would then go on to lose barely to the Miami Dolphins, who ended up going undefeated that mm-hmm. year. So that set the uh, the, the <clears throat> franchise in motion to become a dynasty well. with Franco running the ball, and he was an MVP in Super Bowl Nine when he ran for 158 yards against the Vikings. They were more than just a dynasty on the field, Kenny. They were media darlings. And whether or not you want to start or end with Franco, obviously Joe Green, Lambert, Rocky, Blyer, not even in the Hall of Fame, but still a media darling. Mike yeah. Webster. When was the last time anybody talked about an offensive lineman? These guys were media darlings. They're the ones that put the NFL on the map. They, they had a lot of big personalities and star power. Lynn Swan with those remarkable catches in Super Bowl sure. Ten, right? And you know what else? JT, and I really believe this, that made them bigger stars was Myron Cope, the announcer, with the terrible towel. The terrible towel became, yeah, the the terrible towel became the, uh, what they were known for as fans. And everywhere you went outside of Three River Stadium, there was a Steeler contingency of fans and they had those damn terrible towels, and they are twirling those terrible towels. And now Steeler Nation, you could argue, is the greatest fan base in the entire country. Any sport with how much they do travel and where they go, what do you see when they play? 
you hear the here we go Steelers chant and the terrible towels are waving and the players embraced that when they would run out of the tunnel waving those terrible towels having them on the sidelines with them and everything like that and it just all came together and became the the story of the NFL <laughs> the incredible thing is this and I'm not even a Steeler fan and I remember those teams of the 70s and I'm sure you've got them etched into your brain somewhere but I can rattle off at least 10 names right off the get go you know, you start thinking of Franco, Bradshaw, Stallworth, Swan, Webster, Ham, Frenchie. And the only reason I remember Frenchie was because the Immaculate Reception. But that list goes on, and that doesn't even include the secondary. Yeah. I mean, we, we had the opportunity, right? How lucky were we this past year to sit down with, interview, talk to off the air, Donnie Shell. Hall of Famer from this past year, right? Yeah. We got to do a show, uh, what, last year, I think it was, with mm. the legendary Mel Blunt, right, who looks like he could still play at age, what, 70 or however old Mel is right now. It's mm. amazing. And a tower of a man, when you, you look at it, you go, okay, now mm. I understand why. <laughs> you know, he was as good as he was on top of his athleticism and everything. Right. And and we've and me, luckily, I had the opportunity to do a Heart of a Hall of Famer as the uh, mediator, if you will, with Franco Harris and uh, a room full of uh, 250 adults and kids from various high schools mm-hmm. talking about his career. And JT, as good as he was as a player, and obviously he's in the Hall of Fame, so you can use the term great with Franco Harris, he was an even better individual mm-hmm. off the field. Right. And that's what really made him yeah. stand out because he ended up being an ambassador for the NFL. You mentioned the fact that you were lucky to interview him. You were lucky, we were lucky to watch that player. You know, yeah. and you think about all the things that these guys have gone through, and let's just go ahead and call that the golden age of the NFL because they really put it on the map. You have no television contracts without the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s winning those Super Bowl titles. I'm sorry, you just don't. You don't have the big numbers in the Super Bowls without those great victories. Super Bowl wasn't that big of a deal. It was getting there, but once you started developing stars, that's why you see the NFL, the juggernaut that it is today. You were lucky to watch that individual. And think about this. It's like the rite of passage. When an older aunt, uncle, maybe, God forbid, a parent goes, you're left with the memories because you were lucky enough to be there. It, it makes it that much better when you can go back and say, I remember when this guy played, and I remember how great he was. Because now you're not just looking back at old grainy film on number 32. Now you can go back and say, I remember that game. Not just the Immaculate Reception game either. I mean, he had a nice long career at Pittsburgh, and they were just a juggernaut. So, I mean, those are the great memories, and luckily we're old enough to have them. And how cool for me as a kid idolizing him, right? Sports hero, watching him. The Immaculate Reception, the Terrible Towel, going into the Hall of Fame in 1990 and then getting a chance to to sit in a conference room with Franco before we did the event and just talk to him off the uh, record, right? No microphones. Uh, he was kind enough to sign things for us for our Wishes Can Happen uh, silent auction that we put up there and people donated money for and, and bid on and everything like that and had didn't think twice about it. Yeah, what do you need? How many do you need signed? Whatever. Uh, did it. It, it was um, uh, a lot of times, JT, you get a chance maybe to meet your idols or your sports heroes and you go, you know what, man, he was kind of a jerk. You know, I wish I went and met him, right? Not in this case. The exact opposite. He surpassed what the expectations were 
with Franco Harris. And my sister and I were talking about it. She was home, uh, you know, she said back in Pittsburgh today. That's it, every channel, that's all it was. You know, they're talking about Franco and, and almost the cruelty of him passing away just two days before the 50th Sad. anniversary and three days before he was going to get his number retired. Now, the good thing in all of that is he knew they were retiring his number. Okay, it's not like, you know, it happened after he passed. Um, so from that standpoint, at least he knew his number was being retired, but he was expected to be there Saturday to be honored at halftime, and now it's going to be a very uh, different mood in that stadium Saturday when they play the Raiders and retire his number and honor the 50th anniversary of uh, the Immaculate Reception. All right, we'll get a break in. We're going to talk more about both of those things. Recruiting day for Ohio State, how they do. Franco Harris passing away. In fact, Dave Motz is going to join us. Worked at the Pro Football Hall of Fame for many years. Uh, going to tell us some stories about Franco. Stan Saverin, godfather of Pittsburgh sports, a little later on uh, his friend Franco Harris. Steve Hellwagon on the Buckeyes. You on the phones at 330-450-1480 as well. It's Kenny and JT on WHBC.